Welcome to Season 2 of Trying Our Best, a Mother-Daughter Good Place podcast. Welcome back, everybody. Sorry it took forever to get back to you guys. We had kind of took a long break because, as you're probably aware, the world turned upside down. Everything's crazy. Absolutely nothing makes sense. (laughs) Which actually means that it's the perfect time to be watching The Good Place. But like most of you, we've been dealing with the pandemic and all of our routines being disrupted and just trying to figure out how to live the best way that we can and be responsible people when we're really not sure what's going on from day to day. And we're really excited to get back to this project because we think The Good Place can really teach us all right now. Without further ado, we just watched Season 2, Episode 1, and we are ready to talk about it. Where we left off, our four good place people found out that they were actually bad place people, being tricked. And then when they found out that they were doing this all over again, Eleanor left herself a note. So when this episode opens up, we know that their memories have been erased and that they're starting the experiment all over. And we finally get to see what Eleanor wrote on that note to herself. It turns out that she told herself to find Chidi because the real lesson from season one was that when those people got put together, they made each other better. It was their connection to one another that allowed them to figure out what was going on and actually improve them as human beings. And Michael figures this out too. So they're not soulmates. They're not next-door neighbors. They don't, they don't live together. Everything's different. In fact, this entire episode is just a loop from different perspectives of the same events happening over and over again, but we get to see it through each character's eyes as they have come into the good place for their very first day and have been introduced to their new soulmates and are trying to get acquainted with the neighborhood. First, we see Eleanor with her new soulmate. And we see that the first thing Eleanor tries to do is confess to him, but he rips his shirt off and says he's going to go to the gym. So it's clear that Michael has figured out that Eleanor confessing that she doesn't belong there was a big part of what allowed her to become a better person in the first season. So he's not going to let that happen this time. He has told her soulmate to not let her confess, just kind of run away whenever she tries to tell him anything serious. And so she's sort of stuck with her secret and trying to figure out what to do with it. Next, we see that Chidi has two possible soulmates. And this is kind of obvious. I mean... Chidi's whole problem was not being able to choose. And since this is like a big choice to make, this was designed to totally torture Chidi. And as if that isn't bad enough, the choice is so obvious to Chidi that he's actually able to make it. He's ready to decide which one of the women he thinks is really his soulmate, but then Michael comes running up and informs him, after he already let it slip who he really likes, that it's the other woman that he's meant to be with. And then we see that Tahani is matched with a man that is not quite her style or her size. He is very, very, very short. He also dresses down quite a bit, much to Tahani's chagrin. And so she decides to match him and try to be a good sport about their tiny house and their very casual clothes. But we can tell that she's really miserable. And 
finally, we get to Jason slash Jayanyu's soulmate, who is another Buddhist monk who is identical to Jayanyu. And he's just going to follow Jason around, watching his every move. So there's no way that Jason can ever be his self. Clearly, Michael has picked soulmates that are specifically designed to torture these humans based on what he learned about them from the last experiment. And Michael plans for this version to be a big success. But then everything goes wrong at a party. Michael has made Eleanor wear a sash that says best person, which of course taps right into Tahani's insecurities. And she's supposed to give a speech, which of course taps right into Eleanor's insecurities. And so they've really kind of set up the situation to just be as bad as it can be as fast as possible. But Eleanor's already suspicious because of the note she gave to herself. And everybody else is getting suspicious because they're pretty miserable for people who are supposed to be in paradise. And then when Eleanor is supposed to get drunk, Tahani got drunk and pushed Eleanor off the stage and set the building on fire. At that point, the humans all sneak off, leaving the demons to try to figure out how to clean up the mess that they've made. And once they get together, they very quickly realize what's going on. Eleanor says, Michael is forking with us. And Jason says, like on a prank show. And so they immediately figure out that it's not actually the good place. It didn't even take a full day. So despite how terrible everything is going michael refuses to give up and he decides that he's just going to reboot them a third time and we start on their third first day and we see that michael has not yet told his boss sean So to dig into this episode a little bit, the philosophy of it, the things we learn about people in it, the first thing that we wanted to talk about was the concept of ambition. What is ambition, Ayla? Ambition is sort of big thoughts. Setting big goals and following them all the way through until you finish them. There are quite a few characters who show ambition in this episode. Who do you notice in particular? I've noticed lots of people... Like, Sean, I mean, he has a big role of leadership. Everyone's supposed to be scared of him. He runs, like, the entire bad place operation. And then there's Michael. He wants to be bigger than everybody else, but he's sort of in this cramped position. Vicky, she wants a bigger role. Like, in this episode, she complained a lot about her character, Denise, the pizza lady. She said that her old character was Chidi's, she got to break Chidi's heart a lot, and she really enjoyed that. But Denise isn't really part of the scene, and she got replaced by some other demon. And so she decided she'd, like, have a mysterious limp. And then Chidi notices this, and he questions. But then the other girl gets in the way and distracts Chidi, which makes Vicky feel really, really jealous. So 
even though we obviously are supposed to sympathize more with the humans in this situation, with these different displays of kind of power and ambition, we really start to see a human side to these demons, this this desire to kind of make it to the top in their field, the desire to be recognized, the desire to see through a project and be creative. And those are all qualities that I think we understand, even though hopefully it's not about torturing people in our world. So one of the things that we wanted to talk about today is what makes us ambitious. I felt ambitious before. Once I was in a play, but I didn't have the role I wanted. And since the instructor assigned my role, I didn't have any choice in that. So I was the narrator, even though I didn't want to be. How did you handle that? How did you be handle being put into a role that didn't fulfill your ambition? I think I handled it pretty well. I mean... I was the narrator. I didn't complain. I was very enthusiastic. Did it change anything about your goals for future plays or how you would think about advocating for a different role if you were ever in another class? Not really. I mean, I always want to be in the play. I feel like the narrator doesn't do a lot of acting. But you were okay with just accepting that part even though it wasn't really what you wanted? I was not okay with it. But I did it anyway because I didn't know what else to do. I think that ambition is one of those things that's kind of a mystery to me because I, I've i always been somebody who I feel like we, we've watched a lot of Hamilton lately since it's on Disney+. Plus. And one of the songs that I relate to the most is the the one about being satisfied and uh, I will never be satisfied line gets used again and again in the play. And I kind of feel like that sort of person that I'm never satisfied no matter what I've done. I don't really spend much time thinking about the success of the last project. I'm just ready to move on to the next one. And it can be really frustrating, even though that ambition kind of keeps me going. It also, I think, keeps me from feeling happy a lot of the time. So something that I'm wondering that I don't know the answer to is what do you think makes you ambitious or not? I don't think any human really knows the answer to that question. But my best guess is that it's sort of just personality. Sometimes it's genes, sometimes it's experience. I think that that's a really good guess, and I think it aligns with a lot of what people who research that, like psychologists and other people who research our brain chemistry, our neurology, that that's kind of what they've come up with too, that it's a combination of sort of our experiences and our innate personalities. But something that I really wonder looking at these ambitious characters is I know that we often talk about ambition being a good thing, and we definitely need ambition to accomplish goals, and we need ambitious people to move us forward and to innovate things in the world, but it's not always a great thing, right? Like, especially with people like Michael and Vicky and Sean, their ambition is to do something bad. So ambition on its own isn't good enough. We also have to kind of have a sense of our goals and making sure that our goals are good that we're putting our energy into something that's worthwhile. And I think that ambitious people can sometimes lose sight of that if they just get excited about a project or get excited about an idea or get competitive with being able to move up in the ranks of a company or a business or their workplace. And so it's really important that we think about what our ambition is accomplishing and if the goal is where we really want to be. And that actually reminds me of... Uh, something from Harry Potter. The Slytherin people are always referred to as bad, 
but I think they're just ambitious. I think they just have very big thoughts and ideas. So maybe something we want to say about this is that ambition definitely needs to be channeled in the right place or it can lead to some pretty bad results. Speaking of ambition, we also get to see some different leadership styles in this episode. Sean is Michael's boss, and Michael is the boss of the other demons who are acting in the neighborhood. Let's talk a little bit about how Sean interacts with Michael. As we can see, the first thing Sean says at the beginning of this episode to Michael is that Michael's going to fail. Sean doesn't believe in Michael. He thinks this is all going to go down in flames. And as we see later, it literally does. We get to see this juxtaposed to Michael giving a pep talk to his neighborhood of demons where he's saying, I believe in you. I believe that you can do this. You can make this experiment work. And so we really get to see a night and day example of different leadership styles. Sean's leadership style is leading through fear. He tells Michael, I think you're going to fail. And when you do, you're going to get retired. You're going to get tortured forever. And Michael tells the demons that he's in charge of, I think you're going to succeed. I believe in you. I really want to see you you do well. And so we get to see these, these different versions of how people motivate others. So I think that optimism is a really good way to go, but it's really hard to keep that up when something is like really not going well and your optimism doesn't seem to be working. Because as we see in this episode... Michael just starts yelling at the demons and saying that they're terrible and insulting them. So do you think that the other demons are motivated in the same way that Michael is to make this work? Do you think that they care about this experiment as much as he does? No, because in this episode, one demon said that he wanted to go back to twisting people's head off. They all seem kind of just baffled by this, right? Why are we doing all this work for just four humans? We want to go back to just torturing them the old-fashioned way. Except for maybe Vicky. She seems like she's bought into this new version. She said that she took this job because it seemed fun and interesting and exciting. So really, one thing that we see here is that Vicky and Michael are more alike than they probably want to admit because they're kind of enemies, too. So think about sometimes in your life when you've needed to be motivated. What works to get you motivated to do something hard? Well, maybe it's a reward. Maybe if it's fun, sometimes hard things are fun. In fact, a lot of the times hard things are fun. And if they weren't hard, they might be boring. So you need to be motivated by the act itself. It's not. Is there something that somebody else could say to you to get you motivated to do something you don't really want to do? I'll give you donuts after. That is the word. You just have to give me donuts and I will do uh, not anything. I have my limits, but I will do a lot of hard things if you give me donuts. So basically just bribery. Bribery is what we need for you. Yes, and the moral of this story is give me donuts. But to be serious for a moment, I I know you pretty well, having known you your entire life, and you really don't seem to be motivated by external things. Like if somebody else, uh, you know, tells you this is going to happen, X is going to happen if you don't do this thing, like you don't really respond to threats, you don't really respond to uh, the pep talk like Michael gave, you seem to mostly be motivated by intrinsic motivation. Intrinsic motivation is when it comes from within, when you have your own sense of why you're doing it and why it matters. 
extrinsic motivation is something that comes from outside of you, either a threat about what's going to happen if you don't do it or a bribe of what's going to happen if you do do it or even just kind of begging. People just beg you to do something. And I feel like you you really respond to intrinsic motivation. You do the things that you want to do, even if they're hard, because you feel that internal reward for them. And there's been a lot of research that shows us that that's the best kind of motivation. The motivation that is intrinsic actually leads to the best results. So here we might see Michael kind of using the rewards and we're all in this together and maybe even a little bribery or begging to get people to do what he wants. So he's trying one kind of motivation, whereas Sean is threatening and kind of warning what will happen if you don't do it, but they're both using extrinsic motivation. They're both trying to get somebody to do something that they don't really want to do on their own. And I think that one of the things we can take away from this is that without intrinsic motivation, without actually wanting to do it for yourself, it's never going to be as good. To be true, I um, the only thing that I can think about is donuts. Fair enough. A donut can help us do some hard things now and then. So to get back to the show, in this episode, we see that these characters, who we really got to know pretty well during season one, have now been kind of put into a whole fresh scenario with different situations and different connections to other people. And some of them, especially Tahani, really react in ways that they never would have reacted in season one. So this brings us to our question of the day. How much do circumstances change how we behave? Pause the podcast, think about it, talk it over with somebody else, maybe even write about it, and then come back and join us. here is really one of are we who we are no matter what situation we're put in or could our personalities really change depending on what situation we've been dropped into and I think that Tahani gives us the clearest example of this in this episode. So Tahani in season one she was very delicate and proper and she was sort of perfect, but her circumstances were also some really nice circumstances. She had a big house. She was like, everybody knew her as the best, and well, it was kind of the perfect life for the perfect girl. She literally has Eleanor standing in front of her wearing a sash that says best person, reminding her that she is not the best, and she's feeling really insecure. She's been matched with a soulmate that she feels is literally beneath her, and she's dressed in clothes that she doesn't feel comfortable in, so she really is just feeling down on herself and insecure. She gets drunk at a party, and she sets the building on fire. That's something that the Tahani from season one never would have done. And we even see her coming to apologize to Chidi and Eleanor after the fact when she's kind of come back to herself and realized what a mess she made of it. But we see that when she was put into less than ideal circumstances, she fell apart really, really quickly. And I have been like this before. When I was younger, I was not... I was not under control. I was very wild. 
and not the best behaved. But then I found a role model, and I decided to be more like that person. And since that person was, like, a really nice person and a good person in my perspective, I evolved into who I am right now. That's a really good point that kind of seeing other people and and the way that they react to things can kind of inform the person that we want to be. So in some ways, just experiences. We have to see different ways of seeing the world in order to choose which ones we want and to kind of frame our own way of being. And that doesn't mean that I want to be exactly like her, and I'm not exactly like her, and I like it that way. I just like that she changed me and inspired me. So it sounds like you're making an argument for our circumstances really shaping how we behave. Is that right? Yes, exactly. So the thing that this makes me wonder about, and it's something that we talked about some in one of the season one episodes, is how much can we judge people for their actions if we don't really know their circumstances or if their circumstances were beyond their control? I suppose you can't really, which is why that was a really bad first impression. A bad first impression for Tahani, you mean? Yes, for Tahani. So, I mean, they definitely are judging her for that, right? Like, that's the only thing that most of the people in this neighborhood have ever seen from her. That's their very first time meeting her, and they see her getting drunk and pushing someone off the stage and setting a house on fire and just kind of making a fool of herself. And uh, we know from knowing more about Tahani and who she is that she was really in a weak spot at that moment. But if that were the was the very first time that you had seen her— it would be hard to not kind of hold that up as your impression of her. So as we're speaking about our circumstances and how it makes us behave, I think that we can really connect that to what's going on in the world right now because most of us are in less than ideal circumstances. We all have restrictions on where we can go and who we can be around. And I think that we're all under a lot of pressure and a lot of stress. And we're kind of seeing how we behave when we're not at our best. And... It's very important to be kind to yourselves because we're in some very hard times right now. And if you make a mistake like Tahani did, then just try your best. So that's where we're going to end for Season 2, Episode 1. We hope you'll join us again next week where we'll look at Episode 2. And we would love to hear from you. We have our Facebook page, Trying Our Best. And we would take your comments, your questions, or anything that you think about the show. 